0: them in prayer keep the family in prayer the boys are coming back i believe tuesday is that correct so let's remember them as they fly home pastor alex is going to be coming it's still kind of weird saying pastor alex but it's not he kind of just fits that really well so pastor alex is going to come tonight bring us his message just pray for him as he does his best to present what god has laid on his heart Turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 21, 1 Kings chapter 21. Uh, Believe me, it's really weird hearing that still as well. Um, I, for one, am very thankful for the cushy benches. Uh, It'll make this hour and a half message a lot easier for y'all tonight. uh, The title of my sermon is Loose Lips Sink Ships. Loose Lips Sink Ships. Ahab was the kind of person that was used to getting everything that he wanted in the previous chapter in chapter 21 or 20 god helps him vanquish the syrians despite ahab continuously living in sin now king ahab really wanted to have a certain vineyard but unfortunately for him it was already owned by another man named naboth Now, when Naboth refused to give it to him, Ahab told his wicked wife Jezebel all about it, and she decides to take matters into her own hands. In verse 8, it says, So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in his city dwelling with Naboth. And she wrote in the letters saying, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth on high among the people and set two men, Sons of Belial before him to bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. And the men of his city, even the elders and the nobles who were the inhabitants in his city, did as Jezebel had sent unto them, and as it was written in the letters which she had sent unto them, they proclaimed the fast and set Naboth on high among the people. And there came in two men, children of Belial, and sat before him. And the men of Belial witnessed against him, even against Naboth, in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. Verse 20 says, And Ahab said to Elijah, Hast thou found me, O mine enemy? And he answered, I have found thee, because thou hast sold thyself to work evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring evil upon thee, and will take away thy posterity, and will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up and left in Israel. And I will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the house of Nabat, and like the house of Basha, the son of Ahijah, for the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger and made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. Him that dieth of Ahab in the city, the dogs shall eat, and him that dieth in the field shall the fowls of the air eat. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for uh, allowing me to have the privilege of not only getting to teach Sunday school to the teens, but also getting to preach tonight. I'm I'm just so thankful for this opportunity, Lord. I pray that you would speak through me. I pray that uh, I wouldn't say anything more than what you'd like for me to say or anything less. If there's anything you'd like for me to add to it, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd make it known to me. And I pray that you would open up everyone's heart in here, including mine. Help me to apply this message uh, to my heart, God, because I know that I can um, you know, fall, uh, I can be tempted by this as well. And so I just pray, Lord, that you would allow this message to just stick to our memories and help us to just... Be aware of it and be vigilant when uh, the devil tempts us to fall into it. In Jesus' name, amen. During uh, World War II, the United States was very worried about German spies infiltrating our country and being able to discern our war plans, troop movements, not only just for uh, infantry, but also for ships. And so they sent out this propaganda poster, and this was uh, published all over the nation by the Office of War Information. And this is where I got this title, Loose Lips Sink Ships. But this title is very fitting for our message. You see, if the wrong information had fallen into German hands, it would have been very damaging and even deadly. Likewise, Christians... Our words have the same potential of having this damaging effect. And it is for this reason that we must refrain and refrain from listening to speaking and listening to gossip. But the question is, do you speak badly about others? Now, a few weeks back, uh, before pastor's injury He gave a message, I believe he was in Philippians, it was a Wednesday night, and he said that there are two different kinds of people. There are people that are tempted to speak gossip, and people, on the other hand, that are tempted to listen to gossip that's being spread. But which category do you fall into? Tonight we will look at three consistencies when it comes to gossip. Now the first consistency is found in verse 8. It says, So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal, and sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in his city, dwelling with Naboth. Now, the first consistency is the creation of gossip, or the motivation for gossip. The of the, through the spread of this gossip, Jezebel gained a lot of power that she did not have before. Now, upon first glance, if it's your first time reading through this text, you'll think, well, this is just a loving wife. She's just trying to be there for her husband. She's just trying to make him happy. But, my friends, this was not a loving relationship. This was a marriage of convenience. See, Jezebel was a Zidonian princess that worshipped Baal. 1 Kings 16.31 says, And it came to pass as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nebat, that he, this is talking about King Ahab, took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. Jezebel did not love King Ahab. If she did, she would have told him the truth, just like we talked about this morning. She, as he's pouting, laying on his bed, um, wondering what he's going to do because he can't have his precious vineyard. She would have told him to man up, stop acting like a baby and, you know, stop throwing a fit and throwing a tantrum and refusing to eat your dinner. But she didn't do that. Now, this was a power move on Jezebel's end. If you look at verse 8, you will notice that these letters and the seal are both in Ahab's name. She couldn't just write the letters or the seal in her own in her own name. She did This in his power. She had to go straight through her husband's authority. Now, I'm sure that once she presented this great gift to King Ahab and revealed her love to him, he'd be much more willing to allow her to continue to exercise his authority in the future. Now, hold your spot here and go ahead and turn to Proverbs 6, please. Proverbs chapter 6. Now, our reasoning... Our motives for gossip may not be the same as Jezebel. It's probably not to gain uh, immense power. However, we must view this sin exactly how God views it. In Proverbs 6, chapter 16, it says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Now, actually, why don't we go back and read that verse together? Uh, This is Proverbs 6, 16. Uh, Proverbs 6... 6.16, 6.16, um, we will start in 3, 2, 1. These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, seven are in Very good. Verse 17 continues on to say, A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. My friends, God views gossip as an abomination. An abomination, what is that? Well, it means very hateful, detestable, loathsome. This word is applicable to whatever is odious of the mind. Odious, you hear a version of that word when you come into a room and it just reeks, it stinks. It uh, produces a disgusting odor, this is odious to the mind. It is offensive to the senses. It is unclean. But the question is, when we think of gossip, when we find ourselves either speaking or listening to gossip, do we view it in the same light as God does, as unclean, odious, abominable? Go ahead and turn back to 1 Kings chapter 21, please. Now, sometimes we can gossip because people have wronged us somehow. If that's the case my friend, that you need to lovingly confront that person one-on-one. Matthew eighteen fifteen says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. This is a much better route to take than simply hold everything in until you uh, meet a friend and you say, Hey, guess what they just did to me? And then you just spread it. And then it just continues on and on and on until there's no way to stop the information that came from you. This last semester, I had an issue with someone gossiping about me, and it was very damaging to my character. Thankfully, I was able to uh, figure out who it was that was uh, spreading this around, and so I went to them one-on-one. One One thing that I've learned about lovingly confronting people is you can't do without the Holy Spirit, my friend. And you shouldn't do it when you're emotional. Now, obviously, when I first heard about this, I was very angry. So I had to wait for the right time, the right place, um, one-on-one, not around other people. And praise God, you know, after praying that the Holy Spirit would work on this man's heart, uh, the Holy Spirit just disarmed him before I even got there. And so I asked him, hey, have you been saying this about me? And he said, yes. And I was like, okay, well, I need you to stop. And praise God, he stopped. But... My friends, we need to be willing to be confrontational when uh, the time demands it. We should be in 1 Kings uh, 21, 1 Kings 21. We should not be making our own problems everyone else's business. Now, the biblical way is to forgive this person and then to drop it, to not even bring up the matter anymore. Just let it go, friend. A worldly friend or excuse me a worldly person will make a small problem big they'll just blow it up but a godly person will make a big problem small and that is exactly what we need to do we need to be careful with the words that we use my friends Ephesians 4:32 says and be kind one to another tender hearted forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. It's not worth it. It's not worth uh, spreading uh, what damage has been dealt to you. You need to forgive that person. And if you have trouble with forgiveness, may I remind you how Jesus Christ forgave us on the cross. If he can forgive us for how wicked we have been, then guess what? You can forgive that person that has wronged you. You say, well, uh, I, I'm not saying this because they've heard me. I'm just spreading what I've, what I've heard. I just think it's interesting. Now, Socrates, who we've heard about, he probably did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But he had something interesting, which is what is known as the triple filter test. Now, one day in ancient Greece, he met with an acquaintance who was also a, a great philosopher And he came to Socrates and said, do you know what I just heard about your friend? Socrates says, hold hold on a minute. Before telling me anything, let's put it through the triple filter test. And the man said, the triple filter? He said, yes, that's right. The first filter is truth. Are you absolutely sure, without a doubt, that what you're telling me is true? The man replied, well, no, I mean, I just heard about it. And Socrates interrupted him and said, all right. So you don't even know if it's true. Now let's try the second filter, the filter of goodness. Is what you're about to tell me something good about that person? The man replied, no. uh, On the contrary. Now Socrates interrupted again. So you want to tell me something about him that you aren't even certain if it's true and it's not good. Okay, let's try the final filter. The filter of usefulness. Is what you want to tell me about my friend going to be useful To me, the man started to say no. And Socrates concluded, well, if what you say is not true, it's not good, and it's not useful, why say it at all? And we need to ask ourselves that question. If what is about to come out of our mouths is not good, not true, and not useful, why are we about to say that? If what we're hearing is not true, not good, and not useful, why are we listening to that? You see, Christians have a similar filter test that Socrates used. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, I'm pretty sure that when we are speaking uh, things that may not be true, honest, pure, We are not uh, listening to these attributes. We're not fulfilling our own filter test as Christians. We are not thinking on the right things like this verse commands us to do. If you're the kind of person that loves hearing gossip, then my friend, there's tons of juicy drama in here. There's a lot of uh, different details to look into. There's an entire section where two women are fighting over a baby. That's amazing today. I mean, people are fighting over not having a baby. I wish our society was more like that. But if you have a darker taste for gossip, there's a section where two women fight over who gets to eat the baby. Now, you don't, you don't have to watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians. We have drama right here. We have gossip right here that you can watch or listen to and read. Now, this isn't scripted. This is history. This is truth. Now, if you're the kind of person that likes spreading gossip, you say, well, I just, I just got to tell someone something. I just got to get this off my chest and vent to someone. May I, I encourage you to cast your cares upon the Lord, my friend. It'll do wonders for your prayer life. Alex, you, you don't understand. I just need the attention. No, my friend, what you need is to get right with the Lord. What you need is to see this sin for what it is. It's an abomination. Loose lips sink ships. Now we saw the creation of gossip, but let us examine the compliance of the gossip. In verse thirteen, it says, "And there came in two men, children of Belial, two men, children of Belial, and sat before him. And the men of Belial witnessed against him." Even against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth did blaspheme God and the king. Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones that he died. Now, here uh, within the compliance, we see two different tragedies. The first tragedy is the death of Naboth. You see, Naboth, he was just standing up for his rights, he was standing up for his life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Now Naboth was offered riches, he was possibly uh, offered an even bigger, greater vineyard than the one that he already owned, but he was also familiar with God's law. Leviticus 25, 23 says, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine, for ye are strangers and sojourners with me. Now that's pretty cut and dry if you ask me, but if that's not enough... Look at Numbers thirty six seven. It says, Shall not the inheritance of the children of Israel remove from tribe to tribe? For every one of the children of Israel shall keep himself to the inheritance of the tribe of his fathers. Now Naboth was trying his best to hold on to this inheritance from his fathers, from his tribe. We see here in addition to Uriah who stood up to David, another man, Naboth, is more righteous than the king that he's serving under. Now, it's not that hard to do that when you're serving under a wicked king like Ahab, but still. But this gossip that Jezebel spread was so damaging that it took Naboth's life. Now, our gossip may not lead to someone's murder unless you're living in North Korea, but it can damage and destroy the reputations of others. Hold your spot in 1 Kings 21. Would you please turn to 2 Samuel 16? 2 Samuel 16. I'm giving your fingers a workout tonight. David had to flee the city as he was king because his son Absalom had conspired against him. Not only him, but also his own advisor Ahithophel, which was Bathsheba's grandfather. Now in verse 16 it says, And when David was a little past the top of the hill, behold, Ziba, the servant of Mephibosheth, met him. Now, Mephibosheth is um, David's best friend's son. And when David's best friend, I can't think of his name right now because I'm on the spot. But yes, Jonathan, thank you very much. When he died, he searched far and wide to find any family members from Jonathan's family because he loved Jonathan that much and he wanted to care for them. For some reason, though, he's greeted only with Ziba and not Mephibosheth. And so he sees him, and, and it says, With a couple of asses saddled, and upon them two hundred loaves of bread, and a hundred bunches of raisins, and a hundred of summer fruits, and a bottle of wine. And we see, and, and the king said unto Ziba, What meanest thou by these? And Ziba said, The asses be for the king's household to ride on, and the bread and summer fruit for the young men to eat, and the wine that such as be faint in the wilderness may drink. And the king said, Where is thy master's son? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he abideth at Jerusalem, for he said, Today shall the house of Israel restore me the kingdom of my father. Then said the king to Ziba, Behold, thine are all that pertained unto Mephibosheth. And Ziba said, I humbly beseech thee that I may find grace in thy sight, O my lord the king. Now turn back to 2 Samuel, actually turn to 2 Samuel 19, 2 Samuel 19. It's just a few chapters over. It's not too far. Now, after David defeated his son Absalom, he runs into uh, Mephibosheth on his way back to Jerusalem. It says in verse 24, it says, "...and Mephibosheth the son of Saul came down to meet the king, and had neither dressed his feet, nor trimmed his beard, nor washed his clothes, from the day the king departed unto the day he came again in peace." Now, I'm sure that in some ways, Pastor can relate to this. Mephibosheth could not take care of himself. Mephibosheth, he was lame. He couldn't even walk. So here we see uh, evidence that Ziba abandoned him. We see here the actions of Mephibosheth uh, point to the truth that Ziba was lying. He was spreading gossip about his master. Verse twenty five goes on to say, And it came to pass when he was come to Jerusalem to meet the king, that the king said unto him, Wherefore when is not that out thou out to meet me, Mephibosheth? And he answered, My lord, O king, my servant deceived me, for thy servant said, I will saddle me an ass, that I may ride thereon, and go to the king, because thy servant is lame. And he has slandered thy servant unto my lord the king. But my lord the king is an angel of God. Do therefore what is good in thine eyes. For all of my father's house were but dead men before my lord the king. Yet didst thou set thy servant among them that did eat at thine own table. What right therefore have I yet to cry any more to the king? And the king said unto him, Why speakest thou any more of thy matters? I have said, Thou and Ziba divide the land. And Mephibosheth Mephibosheth said unto the king, Yea, let him take all, for as much as my lord the king is come in peace unto his own house. Go ahead and turn back to 1 Kings 21. 1 Kings 21. Mephibosheth was gossiped about by Ziba. Now can you just imagine slandering, gossiping, against a man such as Mephibosheth, someone that is a cripple. Let us just look at the humility that he has. 2 Samuel 9.8 says, and this is when David first comes and meets Mephibosheth, and he's so excited to meet him that he invites him to come and eat at his table. Now, that is a great privilege to eat at the king's table. Table and feast with him. It says in Second Samuel 9:8, you don't have to turn there, it says, and he bowed himself and said, What is the what is thy servant? This is Mephibosheth speaking, that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I am. Look at the language he uses when he's referring to himself. A dead dog. Now, we may not be gossiping about a cripple like Mephibosheth, who is humble, but they may as well be one. Why do you say that? Now, the person that you speak badly about is completely completely and utterly powerless to defend themselves when you speak about them behind their back. We take them straight to the chopping block with our words, and they are at our mercy. We make ourselves the judge, jury, and executioner without even knowing what that person is going through. Now, look at this relationship that was almost damaged between Mephibosheth and David. What a tragedy that would have been if David had just taken Ziba's word at face value. We always need to give people the benefit of the doubt, my friends. What relationships can we potentially damage with our own words? Gossip is an abomination. It's an abomination. If you look back at verse 13, uh, the second tragedy is that everyone went along with uh, that wicked queen's plans. They did not stand up to Jezebel. Now, looking at verse 13, it talks about these two men of Belial. Do you really think that those two men of Belial had a good testimony in the community there? These people could have resisted. I also noticed the elders and the nobles in verse 11. These men could have exercise judgment and righteousness, which is what their job was. They could have stood up for what was right. You say, well, they could have been killed. Was Elijah killed? Elijah withstood that wicked King Ahab to his face. Now we've seen the creation of, uh, oh, excuse me. In verse 18, it says, And he answered, I have not troubled you. Israel. This is in 1 Kings 18 when Elijah comes to uh, Ahab and he stands up to him. He says, And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Verse 19 it says, Now therefore send and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of the groves. Four hundred which eat at Jezebel's table, so Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. When we, as Christians stand up for what is right, we have a godly testimony to the world. Now we're still going to experience persecution that should not be a surprise to us, But notice here, have you ever read this and noticed how quickly Ahab obeys Elijah? He recognized that there was a godly authority that was simply emanating off of Elijah here. Now, this is a king that is doing exactly what his enemy tells him to do. He had many soldiers under his command, but he still listens to Elijah. I want to encourage you, my friend, when you are in the world, and it seems like you're just surrounded by worldly people, don't be afraid to stand up for what is right. Don't be afraid to be like Elijah here, who is willing to stand up against a godless authority, someone that is going against the word of God. Now, we know that God places authority figures in authority, and you should not rebel against them just because, but when it's going against God, that's a different case. One man's voice and the power of God sparked revival here. Verse 39 says, And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces. This is after the amazing things, after God caused fire to rain down from the sky. And it says it licked up the water. This was an amazing miracle. Uh, They fell on their faces, and they said, The Lord, He is God. The Lord, He is the God. Now, these people are no longer being silent. When one man started speaking up and God started moving, guess what? They wanted to speak up and praise God as well. Now, we've seen the creation of the gossip. We've seen compliance of gossip. But notice notice also the consequences of gossip. Verse 21, uh, it says, Behold, I will bring evil upon thee and will take away thy posterity. Posterity. This is when um, Elijah is confronting Ahab yet again. And he's telling him what's going to happen to him and Jezebel. And will cut off from Ahab him that pisseth against the wall, and him that is shut up and left in Israel. And will make thine house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nibbat, and like the house of Baasha, the house of Ahijah, for the son of Ahijah, for the provocation wherewith thou hast provoked me to anger, and made Israel to sin. And if Jezebel also spake the Lord, saying, The dogs shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Israel. Now in verse 30 it says, And when Oh, excuse me. In 2 Kings, verse 30, we see this finally carried out to fruition through Jehu, who's being used as the Lord's instrument. In verse 30, it says, And when Jehu was come to Jezreel, Jezebel heard of it, and she painted her face and tired her head and looked out a window. In verse 32, it says, And he lifted up his face to the window and said, Who is on my side? Who? And there looked out to him two or three eunuchs. Now these eunuchs threw her down. Verse 33 says, And he said, Throw her down. So they threw her down, and some of her blood was sprinkled on the wall and on the horses, and he trod her underfoot. Verse 35 says, And they went to bury her, but they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. Wherefore, they came again and told him, and he said, This is the word of the Lord which he spake by his servant Elijah the Tishbite, saying, In the portion of Jezreel shall dogs eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the carcass of Jezebel shall be as dung on the face of the field in the portion of Jezreel, so that they shall not say, This is Jezebel. Now here we see the consequences uh, for Jezebel here. We see them carried out. You see, she was behind the entire operation. She was the brains. The whole plan to scheme against Naboth, to gossip against him, to take away his vineyard from him, that all came from Jezebel. Now bear in mind, she is someone that did not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But my friend, if you continue down this path of telling or listening to gossip, there will be consequences. Hebrews twelve seven says, If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? If you choose to continue to live in sin, there will be punishment, Christian. Why? Because God loves you. He loves you so much that He doesn't want you to continue down this path. He wants to redirect you into His loving arms. Don't wait until you're humbled in order for that to happen. James 6 says, 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Jacob, he deceived Isaac. And then next thing he knew, he was deceived by Laban later on. If you continue to gossip or listen to gossip, you may very well find your place in the person that you're gossiping about someday. And you'll know what that's like. I want to encourage you to humble yourself just like Ahab did. We saw the consequences of Jezebel. But let's look at what happened to Ahab. Ahab here did something very interesting. Look at verse 27. It says, "...and it came to pass, when Ahab heard those words, that he rent his clothes." And put sackcloth upon his flesh, and fasted, and lay in sackcloth, and went softly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Seest thou how Ahab humbled himself before me? Because he humbled himself before me, I will not bring the evil in his days, but in his son's days will I bring the evil upon his house. You see, my friend, when you get right with God... God will forgive whatever sin you are living in. He wants to forgive you. He wants you to come back as the prodigal son did. 1 John 1:9 says if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I want to encourage you to humble yourself just like Ahab did. <clears throat> I want to encourage you to put an end to this abomination and remember the damage that your words do, Christian. So will you cease to talk negatively about others? Will you stop doing that? Will you stand up when this is being spoken about in front of you? How do you handle those situations when you're in a group of people and people are talking badly about others? Do you say, hey, you know, we don't know the whole story there. We need to give her the benefit of the doubt. Do you say things like, "Hey, we need we this guy is actually a nice guy once you get to know him." Will you put an end to this abomination that you're continuing in through this gossip? Loose lips sink ships. Pastor